Church, I invite everyone to stand on our feet in honor of the word of God. So our sermon this week is taken from Psalm 73, verse 1 until 28. And so let us read it together in the count of three. One, two, three. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my step had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death, their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are, they are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace, violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swells out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands since innocent. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a worrisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may say of all your works. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kari. You can be seated. So before we start, let's pray. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to listen to the truth today. Thank you for giving me the ability uh, to share the good news. But I really humble myself. Holy Spirit, help me to preach boldly and faithfully and with the clarity as well. And Holy Spirit, just want to pray open every heart that come to hear and to listen to your word. Let this truth just not just become the knowledge, but the truth that come alive in their life and transform their heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to start the new series, the short series from the book of Psalms. Uh, so don't miss next week. Our beloved pastor is going to preaching for the first time in 2023. So it's been a while. Second, sorry, my friend, my brother, my pastor. Correct. I missed that one. Okay, uh, so 
So today is, uh, we're going to start with the doubt. Uh, I mean that, have you ever heard the statement that this life is not fair? Uh, this life is so not fair. I mean that, uh, I believe that everyone here heard that kind of uh, statement, right? Uh, someone telling you about that one, or you may be the one that's saying that statement. This life is unfair. I mean that uh, when we turn on the news, when we turn on the news and then we see that some of the innocent kids kill in the war, for example, uh, we're just like talking about our inner circle, right? The closest family or maybe one of your closest friend, one of your part of your family member died because of the cancer, but some people that smoke all the time live longer. Yeah. That kind of statement, kind of the reaction that this life is not fair. Sometimes it's come because also that you want something and you've been waiting for a long time. But someone else get that one. Yeah. Get that something. You've been waiting for a long time and what make it worse, that someone is someone that you don't like. Or maybe that's that people is someone that unchristians. You've been following Christ for a long time, but those non-Christian outside, why they don't get, get all those good stuff? Yeah. Or maybe that your life right now seems very miserable, full of suffering. When you look outside, all those non-Christians, their life is continuing to flourish and thrive. Or maybe that your close friends suffer from depression, loneliness, but your non-Christian friends has none of that. Their life seems like all good. Or maybe your work colleague, they always dishonest with your boss, but they're the one that get the promotions. You're the one that faithfully walk in godliness. You're just stuck in your position right now. We want, but we don't have. We feel like we deserve it, but someone else that we feel that less deserving is the one that gets all the good stuff. And our heart is kind of react that this life is not fair. How can, how can it be? And that's what we're going to learn from this psalm, Psalm 73. So this psalm is, wasn't written by David. So it's written by a, a man called Asaph. Uh, a, he's a worship leader under King David. So he's a worship leader. It's not just a normal person. He's a worship leader under David. So the reason why I love this song, when I study this one, the reason why I love this song, I love the, some other song as well, but this one, when you really study this song, Asaf is sometimes, somehow that he really like brutally honest to God. He really showed his true feeling. He didn't hide anything to God. So when, when I studied this one day, I said that, hmm, I've been there. I've been there in that situation. And this is what we want to learn from this uh, passage. I mean, Asaph is faced one of the biggest doubts in his life. And that's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn what he was experiencing, and also we're going to learn how he deal with that. Okay, so I'm going to divide it, my sermon into three. The first one is the dilemma. The second one is the turning point, and the third one is uh, the result. All right. Learning from ASF that is being honest. I try to be honest first before I start my uh, continue this one. 
So a few months ago, I was confronted with my jealousy of her, uh, one of my friends, right? So as you scroll down the Instagram, I saw that one of my friends get the promotion. And uh, he's not Christian. He's not Christian. I said, all right. Okay. He's non-Christian. He got the promotion. So, all right. I forget about that. Few weeks later, when I scroll down, the same person, the same person, the one that got the promotion, he got the new property right now. And I'm thinking that as I found out the second one, my jealousy thought cut bubbling up in my mind, you know. And uh, my feeling is getting worse as I'm thinking about that. And that's basically what's happening to Asaph in this farm. In these spaces, let's have a look. Let's have a look together in first three. Asaph saying that, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosper- prosperity of the wicked. So basically, Asaph saying that, you know what? I'm so struggling, God, to understand how those wicked people get all the prosperity. And he continued in verse 4, for they have no pangs until that. Their bodies are fat and slick. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that fat and slick can be together. Wow, that's a good news, right? <laughs> I mean, he continued that those people, not only that get the, all the prosperity, but they have no pain and well fat as well. And also he continued again, they are, they are so prideful. And in the first nine, what makes it worse? And they, they set their mouth against the heaven. Basically, they... Those people speak against you, God. They're mocking you. They're mocking you. They, they not just get the prosperity. They're mocking you. And what they get in verse 12, in the first, in the first time, they're already mocking you. They speak against you, God. And now they're getting richer. And they're getting richer. I believe that we can relate with all this, right? We can relate with all this statement because if you, if you see from the top list of the richest people in the world, you will hardly find any Christian in there, right? What we find about Christians, Christian people get persecuted in Afghanistan. Well, we, we see that Christians get killed because of this. And somehow that as a big picture, it seems that Christian life is worse than non-Christian life. The one that openly mocking God, as I'm saying that he, he openly mocking God, he speak against you, God. They have more money in their bank, in, the, in their, ba- in, in their bank, bank. Bank. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's close enough. <laughs> they openly speak against you, but they have more money in their bank. And they have less problem. And they have less problem. And all those things is just bubbling up in his mind. And as I feel the anger, he feel the jealousy, he feel the despair, he's frustrated. He's like, I want what they have, God. I want what they have, all those good things. I want all those things. All those good life, all those easy life. You know, most of us experience that, right? When we are in the midst of our suffering and we look up all the other people in our social media, we see that, look at that marriage. What's a perfect, perfect marriage? Never fight. We want something and we want, maybe we want a car, we want property, we want kids, and we see someone that just, like someone that just get it just in the bling of eyes. God, I've been waiting for a long time. And then we ask this question, if God, if you are a good God, should we, God's people, receive more, receive more good things than those people? 
And you know that, as I feel that, you know what? I've been staying with you, God. I walk with you faithfully in godliness, in the righteous way. What I feel right now, all those things, is a pointless. What's the point I'm following you right now? And the same thing as us. If we're going through all, like Asaph, like comparing to others, we're complaining to God, we always end up to one thing. We're going to ask ourselves, is it really worth it to follow you, Christ? Is it really worth it to follow you when I try to have a look with my human eyes what happened in my circumstances? My life is worse than all those non-Christians not following Christ. Is it really worth it to following you? And there's, maybe there's some of you right now, you are maybe in that situation. You are in that crossroad that you're asking yourself, is it really worth it to following God? There's a lot of doubt in your mind. You've been waiting for something for a long time, and then you don't get it. You're struggling. You're hurting. And you ask, is it following Christ worth all this pain, all this struggle? Some of you teenagers, I'm going to talk specific to teenagers for, for a minute now. You go to school. You're wondering, you see all your friends, they're not going to church, not following Christ. You're thinking that you, you're jealous with all their life because that, wow, that's a good life. There's no boundary at all. It's a freedom. And you right now, maybe some of you right now, is at the boundary that, and what's the point I'm following God? What's the point I'm following God? Because when I see him with my human eyes, all those people that are not following Christ, their life is just fine. Or even for, in my opinion, it's, maybe it's better than me. They live free, no boundaries. And maybe someone's you ready to turn your back and say, no, I don't want to deal anything with God. And you want to run away from God. My encouragement for you right now, if you are at that crossroad right now, you are not alone. I've been there as well. Even as of the writer of this psalm, he's the worship leader under King David, he's been there as well. He felt the same thing. He felt the same thing. But one thing that we can learn from here, that there many times when we come and ask for the advice for some of our Christian friends, sometimes like, we think, oh, I have a doubt in my life, in our Christian life. And sometimes the, the advice that we get is not helpful. That you, a Christian, you cannot doubt about God. They try to suppress your emotion. But one thing that we can learn from this passage, the writer of the psalm is brutally honest to God. Tim Keller said this, and I love it, that you know what, when you doubt, Doubt make us a human. Doubt make us a human. Doubts remind us that we are not God. So let me tell you, church. Maybe some of you are saying, no, I haven't been there. My life is all right. Let me tell you, it's just a matter of time you're going to go into that situation. But one thing that I want you to remember, what is critical is, in the midst of your doubt, what you're going to do is a very critical. What you're going to do in the midst of your doubt, not wait until your doubt is gone, your problem is gone, and you come to God. In the midst of your doubt, 
That's what's critical. And what this what uh, uh, this what we normally do. This our tendency as human being. And this basically what SF did as well in the first 16. This is what he said. Sorry, I get used to it with someone click, so I have to click right now. I forgot. All right. So this is what Asaf uh, uh, did in the first 16. And this is what our tendency as a human being. This is what Asaf said. That, but when I thought how to understand this, what he's trying to say, when I tried to figure it out, when I tried to understand with my limited brain power, when I tried to understand all this confusion, all this doubt, with my limited understanding, this is what he said, it seems to me a wearisome task. What he said that it was just too painful for me. When I tried to understand with my human limited perspective, it was just too painful for me. Or in other words, in our daily life, we said that it's gonna be sleepless night tonight. It will it's gonna be a round of horrible sleepless night tonight. I know that feeling and it's not nice. Maybe some of you may be experiencing this right now. And that's our tendency when we face doubt. We rely on our strength. But the good news, there's another way. There's another way. And leads me to the next point, the turning point. So there's one pastor from the U.S. Called, uh, his name is Pastor David Platt. So basically... He said that, I think it's quite interesting, there are three factors that normally causing us to doubt. The first one is the difficult situation. The second one, unmet expectation. And the third one is limited perception. And they basically that all those things, that's what Asaf going through. So basically that he going through all the troublesome, going through all the problem, and then he, he look around the circumstances, oh, those wicked people really get what I want. All those Wicked people didn't go through the same problem as me. And there's unmet expectation in there that I'm the one that God's people should get all those things. And then he tried to, using his limited perception to understand everything. And that's why that normally when we doubt, the sequence is like this. This life is so hard. And then it's continuing. Then I should have that. Why those people have those things that I want? And then it's always end up in questioning God. God, are you real? I thought you are a good God. I thought you are good God. I don't understand why all these things happen to me. But let's learn from, let's learn from Asaph in here. Let's read it from verse 16. But when I thought how to understand it, it seemed to be a very wearisome task. So he tried to understand with his own understanding. But look in the first 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. This first 17 is the turning point of Asaph's life. After this, you can read it, that you can see the difference how he put it in this psalm. It's really the turning point. So what Asaph did when he faced the doubt? He went to God's sanctuary. What does it mean went to the God's sanctuary? So basically that he's telling us that basically he physically going to God's temple. 
But when he went there, he not just went to God's temple and doing nothing. He come to his presence in worshiping, in praying, and in the word of God. So basically in the first 17, Asaph basically saying that, you know what, till I enter his presence, then I understand the whole picture. If I don't come to his presence, I cannot get the whole picture. Because before this, he tried to make sense everything with his own understanding. That's what we normally do. We try to make sense everything. We try to use our kind of common sense or anything. And let me tell you what, you will find, when you try to do that, you will find someone that's always richer than you. You will find someone that's always better than you. You want something? I want that money. I want that kind If you Even that you already get that money, you are going to craving more. You're going to craving more because why? We have to remember that we have our perspective is limited. And we learned a few weeks ago. That's right. A few weeks ago, still in 2023, from Pastor Yosia, that our story is not God's story. We learned from Pastor Yosia that our story is not God's story. But the question for us is, yes, we need to come to God's presence. How can we come to God's presence? How can we enter to God's sanctuary in today's life? How, how can we follow SF that to come to God's sanctuary when we first out? He went to God's sanctuary. He went physically. He went to God's temple. But again, I said that when he come to God's temple, he's not just come and enter and doing nothing. He really come in his presence and go into the word of God. And it really changed everything in his life. He worshiped and he come to the word of God. But why have to be the word of God? But how I have to be the word of God? Because the main problem why, why we doubt, because at that time of we doubt, at that time that we face the difficult situation, most likely we forget who we are. And we forget who God is. Only in his word we can find the truth. And let me remind you, if you try to fix all this one, to face that with your own strength. I'll let you know, it will be useless. It seems working, but it, you will be like standing in the sinking sand. If you try using your own strength to fix, to face your doubt, let me tell you, it seems that, it seems it's working, but it's like you standing in the sinking sand that you maybe stand up at that moment, but it's just a matter of time you're gonna be collapsed. Yeah. But one thing that we have to notice as well, yes, Asaph went to the God sanctuary, but it doesn't mean his life, it become better. So when we come to God's sanctuary in our job, don't put the expectation when I come, I follow what Edric say. I went to the word of God. I worship God. I expect God going to take all my problem. You know, when, when Asaph went to the, to the God sanctuary, the wicked is still rich. When he went to God sanctuary, God's people are still suffering. 
But there's one thing that changed in Asaph when he come to God's presence, which is, is his perspective. When he come to his presence, his focus is shifted from now, from the present life, to the eternal perspective. It's only when we come to his presence, we can be reminded where our destiny. It's only when we come to his presence that we can be reminded who God is. I mean, as we pray, as we read the Bible, as we get reminded that who we are, you know, we get reminded that all those suffering that we're going through, there's no suffering in our life, in our present life, is comparable to the eternity with Jesus. And then we realize that how foolish we are, we jealous on those people out there that have all the earthly stuff that we want. How foolish we are, then we realize that how foolish we are to envy to those people because even they have the, all the earthly stuff, but they will be eternally lost. Church, we have to remember, I mean, during this season of doubt, there are going to be many spiritual attacks. It always starts with the question, right? We start with one question. We doubt about God. God, why is this one? But if you really play with your thinking, with your doubt, from one question, it's going to be become two. It's going to be become three, and so on. Asaph didn't rely on his strength. He didn't play with his doubt. What he did, he come to God's presence. He didn't wait until his problem get better. He didn't wait until, wait until his problem get better and went to God. But he come in the midst of his spiritual pain. We have to remember the context. When, when Asaph went to God's sanctuary, his life is he's really in the midst of a spiritual anguish. He's still in the midst of spiritual anguish, but he still chooses to go to God's sanctuary. The problem of us, many of us, we choose to run away from God. We choose to run away from the church. We ignore praying. We don't want to read the Bible. We try to ignore all the community we have, and we are too busy complaining to God about how unfair life is. But when we learn from this passage, when Asaph went to the God sanctuary, you know what his situation that he's still in the midst of his spiritual pain. But he still chose to enter God's presence. And that's what we need to learn from this truth. If you, at the moment, you face the biggest doubt of your life, Don't wait until you wait until your problem is getting better. In the midst of your, maybe in the bottom of your valley, God encourages you to come to Him. Like Asaph, like Asaph, that God meet Asaph in his doubt. And leads me to the last point, the result. All right, in the last month, there are two big events happen in this world. All right, there's two big events in this world. So 
If you are a soccer fans, you know about this one, the first one. So it's the Cristiano Ronaldo just signs the most expensive contract, all right? The biggest contract ever. So Cristiano Ronaldo is basically, if you don't know, he's uh, uh, one of the greatest player. So in my opinion, it's after Messi, but it's up to you. Uh, he signed a biggest contract. So he gets paid six million dollar, I believe, in the Austrian dollar per week. Six million dollar per week, right? Six million dollar per week. So in a week, you can buy a house. I'll give you a simple calculation of that. All right? He gets paid five hundred ninety-seven per minute, per minute. So right now, if you are Cristiano Ronaldo and you go to the toilet for three or four minutes and you get out of from the toilet, you can go to the Apple Store. You can get iPhone fourteen. How cool is that? He got almost 600 per minute. And then when, when I look that one, and I believe a lot of people, when look all those numbers, we start to imagining ourselves to be like a Cristiano Ronaldo. It's going to be easy life when we get all those money. I, I can buy a property like I don't need to wait when the price is going down. I just buy it. I will just pick whatever car I want. So many people want to be like him. When they see all the numbers, everyone that's craving that, I want to be like Cristiano Ronaldo. I want all those numbers. I want those money. And that's the first, the first big event that happened the last one month. The second one, the second big event happened. It's basically inside the RSI family. I think most of you know about this, and most of you know about him. So it's our brother. Our brother just get baptized on the Christmas day. You know, it's such a good news for us. It's such a good news for us. The reason why I put these two examples side by side, there's many of us may not think our salvation is such a big news. Many of us prefer to have the first example compared to the second one. Yeah. We, we may not say it out loud, but we may say it inside that we, we prefer to be like the first person than the second person. One thing that the word prosperity somehow is the definition right now is kind of like have a, a bad definition. But the truth is the Bible is have a lot of messages about the prosperity. There's a lot of prosperity messages in the Bible. But the thing that when the Bible talks about the prosperity, it's talking about the, from the eternal perspective. Yeah. Both of them, the first example, the second example, you can see it from different perspective, and all of you can see prosperity. The first one, you can see prosperity, but when you see it from the human eyes perspective. The second one, our salvation. I'm, yes, Josh is one of them, but I believe you that call a Christian. Your salvation is such a big news. When you see from the eternal perspective, you are richer than the first person. And that's really what happened to Asaph in this story. His condition is, didn't change a lot. He's still suffering. He's still going through the same problem. 
But what really changed is basically his perspective. His perspective is changed, transformed from live the best life now, get whatever, all the good things, to the eternal perspective. You know, when, when, when Asaph encountered with God, he, he went to the God sanctuary, he encountered with God, it changed everything in his life. And there's, there's three obvious things from these spaces that I can notice that change really changed his life. The first one, after he encountered with God, it changed his understanding of what is good in this life. Before his encounter with God, before he come to God's sanctuary, you know what? He craving for, oh, I want all those good things. I want all those wealth. I want those all money. I want all those easy lifestyle, God. That's what I call it good. But after his personal encounter with God, his wrong perception is get calibrated. This is what he say in the verse 18. Truly you set them in the slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. He can say that, you know what? He can say that now truly those people, I can see that you set them in the slippery places. He's so confident, even though all those wicked people get all the worldly things. But he truly believes all those things is useless. It's useless from the eternal perspective. His judgment for what is good is completely changed. So during when you doubt, sometimes, most of the time, this is what we wrestle. We're wrestling about what is the definitions of a true goodness. And that's basically what Asaph going, are going through in here. He's wrestling, what is the goodness, God? And then he entered God's sanctuary. He come to his word, and he found a true goodness in the first 28. He said that, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made Lord God my refuge, and I may tell of your work. In these Psalms, there's no indications that his life was getting better. What has changed is not his condition. What changed is his understanding of what God goodness he truly understands right now what is good. What is a true goodness? Pre- previously, basically, his understanding of a goodness is all those worldly things, all the good gifts, all the easy life. Now he truly understands what is good is to be near with you, God. And that's the first thing that really changed his life, that after he encountered God, it really changed his understanding of what good in this life. And the second thing his encounter with God not only make him understand that where the destination of the wicked people, which is the eternal punishment, not only that, but he also that his encounter with God, it make, me, make him understand the sinfulness of himself. Verse 21 and verse 22. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in the heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. You know what? When you're being touched by the gospel, you're going to understand how sinful you are. You know, before I understand the gospel, before I, I 
experience the gospel. I thought I was a, quite a good people, a good person. I mean, I kind of like, kind of can be considered kind of like not really a naughty kind of person. I'm, I'm not doing any silly things. I don't have any many bad habits. But you know, when as we continue, as like Jose Fernando said in, the, uh, in our uh, gospel liturgy, as we walk in our Christian life, you Christian, maybe right now when you just comfort to become Christian, maybe, yes, you get understanding of your sinfulness. You get understanding of God's holiness. But as you walk year by year, knowing the gospel, there should be one fruit in your life. There's the increased awareness of how sinful you are. And like Joe saying that as well, that not only that increased awareness of how sinful you are, but also there's the increased awareness how holiness God is. And when you realize that how holiness God is, and then when you realize the increased awareness that how sinful you are, and then you just look at on the top that how can I bridge this gap? There's an increased awareness, wow, God is so holy. And the same time as well, that when we realize that how holy is God, in the same time as well, there's an increased awareness how sinfulness we are. And then you just realize that, how can I bridge this gap? And that's when you look at to the cross. That's when Jesus died for our sins to bridge the gap of our sinfulness and God's holiness. And the third thing, after Asaph encounter with God, it gives him a confidence in God's perfect love upon him. In the verse 23, basically he said that, I'm going to continually walk with you, God. So after the encounter with God, I'm going to continually walk with you, God. That's really that one of the fruit of when we surrender our life to Christ, that we have to decide to walk with God. But one thing that we have to realize in here, that the reason that Asaph can decide that one, can make this decision that I'm going to continue to walk with you, is not because he's good. It's not because he's, he's, he's kind of like a, a, a strong. It's not because of his strength or anything that I'm good. That's why I can continually walk with you. But in here he said that, nevertheless, I'm continuing to walk with you. Why? Because you, God, you the one that hold my hand. The reason why I continually can walk with you, God, because you the one guide me with your counsel. The reason that he can make decision to walk with God is not because of his strength, because God initiated the process. God the one that pursue Asaph. In other words, that he said that I will continually walk with you, God. I will continue to trust in you, even if my life it will not get better. Even my life is full of problem, but I know, I truly know that you hold my hand, and that's the, really the key why, how we can face our doubt. We face our doubt that, oh, I have to come to God's presence, so miraculously our doubt just gone, our problem is gone. No, the reason that we can, the key why we can face our doubt that 
because we can truly know that we have God that's always hold our hand. That we always God that's always with us. He is the one that pursue us. So often in our life, when we face problem, it hit us very hard. We often feel that God leaves us. But often we feel that God doesn't care about us. But what we can learn from here, He's working behind the scenes. He's working behind the scenes. And that's really the key. How to face the doubt that we can learn from SF. Come to His presence. Come to His word. Get reminded who you are. Get reminded who God is. And then get reminded that you have God that's always with you. That's always with us. The question right now, how we can learn from ourselves from, to fight our doubt in our daily life right now? That really that we have to... I don't... We have to realize, before we can be like Asaph, that easily, like, all right, that's how we do it. We have to realize that who we are, we are a sinners. And what happened with sinners? Because the curse of the sins is make us impossible for God to hold our hand. We, can, we cannot just easily say, all right, I'm going to follow Asaph. But remind yourself who you are. You are a sinners that make you impossible for God to hold your hand. The curse of our sins make us impossible for God to be with us. But we can only have that confidence if we realize what happened at the cross. Jesus died for us. Because Jesus died for us, Jesus restored our relationship with God. So right now we can have, when we face the doubt, we can have that confidence like as of that God is with us and God is for us. But we're going to zoom in a little bit what happened at the cross. For us to be able right now to have that kind of confidence that God is with us and holding our hand. What happened at the cross is basically, you know, Jesus and God the Father is very close. They never separated. They are very close. But what happened at the cross when Jesus take all our sins, God have to let go his hand. God have to let go his hand and Jesus have to scream, God, God, why have you forsaken me? For us right now to have that confidence to say that, God, you are with us. Jesus has to let go his hand with his father. He never be separated. I'm going to close with this quick application. One of the reasons why we doubt, we forget who we are. We never come to his presence. We forget that we have God who is always with us. But the question, why do we never come to his presence in our prayer, in our Bible reading? Why we never come to his presence? Because we never put all those things as, prior, as our priority. Mm -hmm. 
Our priority is working. Our priority is maybe parenting, business. And we put God as our last in our list. I hope we all realize that we're living in the world that is very demanding. Our work is demanding. Our parenting is demanding. Our business is demanding. Even our screen, our mobile phone, is demanding. I hope you realize that right now in our mobile phone, is, there is a built-in algorithm that is keep calculating what is your interest. So what's come up in your advertisement is different to what come up in my mobile phone. What come up in your advertisement is basically they really fit to your interest. It's really craving for your attention. I hope we realize most of the time, why we face a doubt? Because many times we forget who God is. We never come to God's presence. We have to come. We have to intentionally come to Him. Abide in His Word. And let the truth remind you again and again that in Christ, God is with us. We have to intentionally come to His Word. And to be reminded again and again in Christ is God is not with us, but God is also for us. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, please open our eyes that we might see your glory. May your beauty outshine every other things. that this word can offer us. May we like these psalms that we can see you by faith and can gain the eternal perspective on reality that make us able to point things all around us to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us. Maybe some of us come in here right now, sitting in here right now. We are on the crossroad. We don't know what to do. There's a lot of questions in our mind. But one thing that I know for sure, if they can be here right now, you're the one that initiate the process. You're the one that pursue them and touch their heart so they can be here right now. Just want to pray, Holy Spirit, help everyone in here that let the truth set them free. Let the truth Remind them who you are. Let the truth remind them that without you, everything is just in vain. Thank you, Jesus. Surrender everything into your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.